0: Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work.
1: All right, so SB Nation Ian is doing a week of what ifs, right? NFL what ifs, and the Denver Broncos uh, have some pretty interesting what ifs in their history. So if you look back in the history of uh, your favorite team, obviously people listening to this podcast, that's the Broncos. Uh, what are some of the the what ifs? That, you know, if this happened, you know, if a little, bit, if, if you know, if A happened, then B happens, and then C happens, and it's almost like you're sort of diving down a rabbit hole of, of things that sort of extrapolate out. Um, And, and I think the Broncos have some fun ones and some things that we could definitely dive into. So um, I don't know, you had, you had some pretty good ones. I'll let you go ahead and throw out your
0: first one. Well, there's the obvious ones, right? I mean, they're the ones that if this happened, it might change the complete, it might change the course of what happened the next season or two. So the two obvious ones, and we talked about this on a recent podcast, would you rather ties into that? What if the Broncos beat the Jacksonville Jaguars in January, 1997, or what if the Broncos beat the Baltimore Ravens in January, 2013? Those are the obvious ones. To me, there's one that is not just major in terms of implications for the Broncos. It's the entire course of the National Football League for 40 years. So my what if is what if John Elway plays for the Baltimore Colts? You know, I have to say something before we go
1: further. It was very ominous. Ian is coming to us live from a hurricane in Castle Rock, Colorado. And as you said that, there was a nice little sound of thunder in the background. So it was that sort of ominous, like, rumbling because that does, you're right, that has huge implications for the entire NFL and the, and the course of the history of the NFL, really from that season forward, right, from 1983 on. So uh, I, I like that there was a, we had some, some natural sound effects there for our, our
0: current podcast. I like that. And what's awesome about it is that it will continue throughout the course of this podcast because that's how we planned it. Yeah, we did. We we you know we
1: did plop it out there and expect it to perform, and it did. Hey, you you finally got one. It's been a while. It's it's, I don't know how many weeks I've been like lacking or lagging or slacking. One of those words. That's what she said. Yeah, that is what she said. But that's all right. I was tired. Uh, So so let's let's go ahead and get into it. So the the obvious one if if John Elway chooses to play for the Colts. Uh, it, it changes the course of history for the, the Colts and the Broncos just in basic performance, right? Like, I think you could almost swap the the outcomes of the Colts and the Broncos. The Broncos don't go to those three Super Bowls that Elway sort of dragged them to. Instead, it's maybe it's the Colts being drugged to the Super Bowl by, a, you know, an, an you know, a a talented John Elway who um, just sort of puts teams on his back, which we witnessed as fans of the Broncos for years. So you could almost just on the field, just go ahead and swap those, right? Is that, is
0: that legitimate there? Yes. I, I think the biggest one, not just on, on the field, the Colts never leave Baltimore. They don't move to Indianapolis. Thus, The Cleveland Browns don't move to Baltimore. So if Cleveland ends up moving anywhere, if Art Modell moves the Browns in the mid-90s, it's not to Baltimore. Maybe it's to Indianapolis. Or here's one. What if the Broncos end up moving to Indianapolis? Because in the late 60s, early 70s, there was talk that if Mile High Stadium didn't get renovated, the Broncos would move. Wow, that's an interesting thought. We would we would
1: probably not be fans of the of the Indianapolis Broncos, right? I don't think at least I don't think
0: I would be a fan of an Indianapolis Broncos team. It's it's fascinating to think about how the course of the NFL completely changes by one decision. Right. Peyton Manning doesn't play for the Indianapolis Colts. He never plays for the Colts. Is he drafted number one overall by the Denver Broncos in 1998? Are they the Denver Broncos at that time? Maybe he does or play is for it maybe, Indianapolis. Yeah,
1: maybe he does play for Indianapolis, but it's it's in orange and blue, and it's the Indianapolis Broncos. I think I think what you've said there is very interesting in that if if just sort of on the very surface of things, if the Colts never move to Baltimore. So when we were preparing, I kept calling them Indianapolis. I'm just gonna stick with the Colts. If the Colts never move to Balt or to, to Indianapolis, you never have. The Baltimore Ravens, right? So, so you have a, a Baltimore Ravens team that that doesn't exist. You have a Browns team that s- stays in Cleveland, or like you said, moves to Indianapolis. But maybe they don't move to Indianapolis because maybe the Broncos are already there. Maybe the Cleveland Browns and Art Model moves to Denver.
0: We're Denver that's, Brown fans at that point. That's interesting. But here's an even bigger one. Does Bill Belichick leave Cleveland? Now does d- he even end up in New
1: England? You might have to explain that because you said this uh, during the, the, the pre-show conversation, and I didn't I actually didn't know this. And so you might want to maybe explain it for those that are listening that don't quite understand what you're saying.
0: It's just speculation on my part. I, I haven't researched uh, why, Be- why Belichick left Cleveland. I, I, but I wonder if it was in part because he knew that Modell was going to move the franchise to Baltimore. So why would he want of a franchise that's moving? Because if you remember, that team that won its first Super Bowl under Brian Billick was a team that Bill Belichick put together. So if if Baltimore already has a team, the Colts are there because Elway decided to play for the Colts. Does Belichick stay in Cleveland and decide that he's going to see that through and bring Cleveland a super bowl? And does he not end up in new England? Cause if he stays in Cleveland, he may not end up in new England with the Patriots.
1: No, so that Brady. might take
0: off, that make, that that might take off the Patriots dynasty of the last 19 years all because John Elway decided to play for the Baltimore Colts. I mean and what and what does that do for the rest of that draft? If John Elway stays with the Baltimore Colts, what do the Broncos do? Do they draft Dan Marino? Well,
1: they no. I don't think they do because they could have drafted Dan Marino and not even been concerned about any of this. They still went with Chris Hinton. So the Broncos drafted a lineman. They weren't even looking at quarterback, and uh, which I I really do find fascinating. And if you if you get a chance, um, check out the ESPN Thirty for Thirty Elway to Marino. It, it's fascinating to look at how that draft played out. And, and I think you're right I, that. Um, things might have played out differently, but really the fact that Baltimore drafted John Elway, I, I don't know that anything would have changed with that. It's not like the Broncos were targeting John Elway and we're, and we're going to make a trade. In fact, if you look at that, at the way everything worked out, there were better trade offers. The Cowboys had a better trade offer for John Elway. The The 49ers were looking into, into trade offers. The Raiders we're looking at, at at trading and had a very good trade offer. In fact, the the Baltimore Colts screw, screwed that up uh because they could have gotten a lot more for Elway had they traded him to either the Raiders or the Cowboys who were offering a lot. But for whatever reason, um the you know the owners, the owner who was I mean, who, I guess Apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? The owner of the Colts is, uh, you know, Jim Ursay, and his dad was, uh, the owner at the time, not, not super into it, I guess he nixed both of those trades. So I think that really, the, the way the draft falls doesn't change, but it does change. Like you said, it changes most of the league. I mean, the Broncos were still going to draft Chris Hinton. I think that was, that was their target. The, the whole That whole thing was was
0: sort of interesting. I, I recommend that. It's one of my favorite 30 for 30s. But, um, but I, I question whether or not that still happens because one of the things that happened over the course of that draft is John Elway made it abundantly clear he was never going to play for the Colts. If he doesn't come out and state that and he says that he will play for Baltimore, how does that change things? I question whether the Broncos still draft Hitton. I think one of the reasons they did is because they knew Elway was available via trade because he knew they knew he would never play for Baltimore.
1: Yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. But I, I again, I think that if you if you go back and watch that that documentary and you look at the notes that that Elway and Marino's agent because uh, they shared an agent took, he had copious notes, right? Copious amounts of notes uh, 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 regarding all of this contact with the teams, contact with, with different agents and different, you know, different representatives from the teams and whatnot. He's, he basically lays it out pretty, pretty well that the Broncos sort of had Elway fall into their lap in, in certain ways. Like the, the Broncos weren't really on the radar until after everything fell through with the, with the Raiders and, and, and the Cowboys. And so, um, I, I really don't, I don't think the Broncos even considered Elway as an option. And so when he fell in their lap, it was you know, like this, my, my daughter's watching a lot of Bob Ross videos cause she's doing a lot of painting. It was a happy accident, right? It was a very happy accident for the Denver Broncos to sort of have Elway fall, you know, fall into their lap or, or sort of be able to grab him when, there were better offers out there. There were, there were teams that had better offers out there for John Elway. Uh, but I I do think on, on the, you know, the business side of the NFL and the way that the, the league sort of plays out after that, I mean, you're talking about huge changes, franchises not moving teams, not being created. I mean, we wouldn't even be talking about Joe Flacco as the, as the Broncos starting quarterback, because who knows where Joe Flacco, you know what I'm saying? Like, So the butterfly flaps its wings in China and, you know, the tsunami
0: starts in Japan. I don't know how it goes. It's a saying somebody said it once. It's just, it's fascinating to see how one decision changed the plot of the NFL for the last 40 years, because you can directly tie that to so many things and how so many things change. So that's why I think it's the biggest, what, if not just for the Broncos, it changes the complete course of history for the Denver Broncos, but the NFL too. Absolutely. I think I think you're absolutely right. All right, I'm going to stick with quarterbacks
1: here and switch gears a little bit, though. Uh, a little more recent history, and uh, what if Peyton Manning chooses not to play for the Denver Broncos? What are the implications there?
0: It means that Tim Tebow would have been the quarterback for at least one more season, but... What do they do in the draft? Do they change course and free agency? I mean, at, at least for the Broncos, it, it changes a lot. So and they, I wonder, depending on where he goes, because I think it would have it would have either been the Tennessee Titans or the San Francisco 49ers. It obviously changes the course of that of those two teams, because if he goes to the Tennessee Titans, they don't draft Marcus Mariota. Maybe he becomes a Bronco which is a fascinating. Maybe not so great idea. I don't know. I mean, he's,
1: he's one of those quarterbacks that I can't tell if he's going to be good or they keep telling me, right? Fantasy football, pick up Mariota, and then he sucks all the time. So I'm not really sure what to do with that. No, it's interesting because you, you here's some things you don't get if, the, if Peyton Manning doesn't sign with the Denver Broncos. You don't get Super Bowl 50. I mean, I'm not saying the Broncos wouldn't have won Super Bowl 50, but you don't get it constituted in the way that it was constituted. You don't get Demarcus Ware probably. You don't get a key to Talib. I never would have said those words. You you don't get certain players like Emmanuel, Emmanuel Sanders. The guys don't come to Denver to play for with Peyton Manning, right? That's kind of that was sort of the draw was you know bring guys in because. You want to win a Super Bowl, and Peyton Manning gives you a good chance. And that 2013 greatest offense in the history of the NFL never happens. So that's sort of those those are those immediate things that you don't get if you're a Denver Broncos fan from Peyton Manning choosing not to play for the Denver Broncos.
0: Well, to stick with the quarterbacks, and I'm going to throw a curveball, Uh oh. what if Josh McDaniels doesn't trade Jay Cutler?
1: Ooh, yeah, we didn't talk about that. And I will tell you, I, I know for a fact going going back to two thousand eight, I was I was in Cutler's camp on that. I I was not a fan of Josh McDaniels because of the way that he came in and did things. And if you look at some of the some of the articles around that time, and and an interesting one for me is you go back and you look at Rick Riley's article about what happened. And um, one of the things that was talked about was how Jay Cutler didn't return certain phone calls from. Uh, from you know from Pat Boland, who has recently passed away, and and this is one that uh, is is kind of interesting, and I think it's something that maybe people didn't realize. Jay Cutler says that he did return those phone calls, but um, it seems as if Pat Boland may not have remembered them, and so you got to kind of wonder. What's going on? What was going on there? If those were some of those early signs of, of Alzheimer's that he was forgetting those things, or if Jay Cutler was just being Jay Cutler and kind of a douchebag, which is probably more likely, knowing Jay Cutler. Um, but I was I was a fan of Jay Cutlers, and I thought that you know when the Denver Broncos um, <laughs> when the Denver Broncos hired Josh McDaniels, I thought that was a weird, it was a strange hire because you had the best one of the best offenses in the NFL and all you needed to do was fix the defense and you weren't going to go eight and eight anymore. You were going to go 12 and four. And instead they went out and got an offensive minded coach who had never coached before who came in and blew up the offense. That never made any sense to me. So what if Josh McDaniels had enjoyed the way that Jay Cutler did business and he had come in and kept that offense kind of going, that was kind of a good offense. Where would we be now? I mean, would we be talking about Jay Cutler as a multiple super bowl winning champion how about another curveball? Oh my goodness! What if Mike Shanahan isn't fired? Well, then you then Jay Cutler definitely stays, uh, so you don't have that issue. Um, I think I think Shanahan probably could have gotten things turned around defensively if, and this was always his issue, if he could have been less loyal to some of those defensive coaches that he wouldn't get rid of. I mean, there was an issue there with that defense. Uh, and and he refused to to make those changes, which I understand. He had some loyalty to some guys, and and, and it's hard to fire people. But that defense needed to be changed, and he kind of refused. So I think I think they probably are mired in eight and eight for a couple more seasons at that point, and maybe they start to pull things together, uh, you know, afterwards. But we might be talking about Jay Cutler as a, a Super Bowl winning quarterback today if Shanahan is sticking around.
0: Maybe a Ring of Fame quarterback for the Broncos. Maybe uh, John Elway is never
1: the G- the GM of the Denver Broncos.
0: Here's another one that we talked about prior to recording that would also alter the course of the Denver Broncos, but the history of the National Football League. What if Pat Boland doesn't buy the Broncos in 1984 from Edgar Kaiser?
1: That's a huge. See now that's a huge one on on a multi level. Multi tiered business style. Like you can really go into the football side of things. You can go into the NFL's business side of things. Like, just for instance, if you looked at any of the the tributes to John or to, to John, to Pat Bolin, uh, in, you know, after his passing, uh, I thought Rich Eisen had a really good one. It was a few minutes on um, how cool Pat Bolin was, but he also talked about how important Pat Bolin was to getting the NFL network started. Uh, I guarantee many of our listeners turn on the NFL network at least once a day, probably more and and definitely on Sundays during the season. and um it was it was really interesting to hear him talk about how important Pat Bolin was to the start of the NFL network and getting that off the ground. and then also uh, the the Sunday night football that we watch so much. I mean it's it's what it's in at the the highest-rated show on television is Sunday it Night is.
0: Football. The highest-rated show on TV, and that is a that is a
1: um, Pat Boland baby, sort of, right? He sort he and Dick Ebersall. Dick Ebersol, yeah, the yes. guy from yeah For NBC Sports. Remember, if it was Dick or Rick? i you know, does it matter? Um, they are the ones who really worked on that and put that together and created it. And so, just on the business side. The 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 networks Fox for example that's another one that Rich Eisen talked about that I didn't actually realize it was Pat Bolin who said let's let's let Fox bid on on you know showing the NFC games and that brought Fox in that totally opened up and changed the way that we watch football Pat Bolin not buying the Denver Broncos we're probably still watching you know NBC as AFC uh, you know it's CBS is the no CBS was the was the NFC my right? yeah CBS was the NFC yes. ABC uh, a- 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 AFC was on NBC there's too many letters here it's like alphabet soup right now but it we we are watching a totally different
0: visual aspect of the game without Pat Bolin. and it's also the international aspect of it Pat Bolin was huge in terms of pushing the international game when he was on numerous committees. He was on, I mean, he was chairman of the broadcasting uh, committee. He was pushing the, the international game. So it, it completely changes the national football league because he knew how big TV was to the future of the national football league. And he was the father of Sunday night football. Without him, there is no Sunday night football, but just like with John Elway staying in the ball with the Baltimore Colts. If Pat Boland doesn't buy the Broncos, that completely alters the history of the Denver Broncos because they don't have Mr. B. They don't have the guy who brought family to the Broncos, to Broncos country, who brought that winning mentality for the first time to the organization. And it, I shudder to think where the Broncos would have been or would be had Pat Bolin not bought the Broncos in 1984. Possibly not in Denver, possibly uh, a
1: perennial loser. Uh, It it took a long time for them to to sort of reach the the summit, so to speak in the NFL. And, um, and he's really the reason that the Broncos were as competitive as they were for so long, because he demanded that excellence. And without that, and without, the, I think you're absolutely right. Without those relationships that he built, and uh, you could you can see in all the tributes and everything just how much his players cared for him and how much they enjoyed playing for him, how important that is. So I, th- I think you're right. Uh, losing Pat Bowlen just on the Broncos side changes the entire. We we might not even be talking about the Broncos right now. We may not even care about the Broncos right now because they may not have the same connection to the fans that they do. I think a big part of the reason there are so many people who really love the Denver Broncos is because Pat Bolin, uh, when he purchased them, made them a winner, demanded excellence, and also insisted on saying things like the, this is the fans team, right? He talked about this being the team of the fans, not, you know, not his team. Yes. He was the owner. Yes. He signed the checks, but this team belonged to the people who come and watch the games and they deserve to have a good product on the field. So I I think that's really interesting. Uh,
0: Another one one that ties all of it together is does Pat Bolin buy the Denver Broncos if John Elway isn't the quarterback? Ooh. So
1: you think that John Elway being the quarterback sort of enticed Pat Bolin into buying the franchise? I think that's an interesting one. I would guess, and this is, I don't really know, but I would guess that because that's such a huge business deal to make that level of a purchase. Like I, I mean, the biggest purchase I make is is no, never going to be anywhere near that large of a purchase, and that was back in you know the early '80s, so it still wasn't. It's still not even that much as compared to what it would be today. But I would I would venture a guess that there's a a lot going on behind the scenes in that, and it takes a while. John Elway may not have even been you know, a part of anything when that started, I don't really know. That would be an interesting thing to look into. The history of Pat Bolin buying the Denver Broncos would definitely be cool. But I think that might have been the sort of the, the thing that sort of drives him into purchasing the Denver Broncos there is that, oh, and I get this I get this guy who's going to be potentially a Hall of Fame quarterback who can lead my my franchise to winning Super Bowls. That's a big one. I like that. Speaking of Super Bowls, you mentioned this one before we started, and I want to I want to throw it out there so we can we can get it in there. What if the Orange Crush wins Super Bowl Twelve? You asked it. I thought it was a really good question, and I think it has some implications into several areas of Broncos history,
0: like the Hall of Fame, for example. I think if that defense wins the Super Bowl, if they beat the Dallas Cowboys, Randy Gradishar is in the Hall of Fame. Yep, Louis Wright. Is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Tom Jackson may be in the Hall of Fame. Possibly. Rich Jackson will be in the discussion for the Hall of Fame. Sure. Probably Billy Thompson would get probably recognition or at least talked about. Joe Collier. Yeah. Joe be, Collier I mean, for he, sure. He's already talked about as one of the greatest defensive coordinators in history. Absolutely. But if he wins a Super Bowl, well, and that, we talk about that too, right? It's it's about getting
1: it done, right? One of the things that, that we talked about was, you know, the reason we talk about the 85 Bears and not the 86 Bears who were statistically just as good uh, is because the 85 Bears won the Super Bowl, the 86 Bears did not. The reason we talk about the 2015 Denver Broncos defense is because they, they completed the task, right? There's a certain aspect to it of you have to complete the task. If you don't complete the task, then what's the point, right? What have you accomplished if you haven't gotten done what you're what you've set out to do? And in this case, that's win the Super Bowl. So, that orange crush defense that was one of the greatest defenses in the history of the NFL. I think it's it's top 5. They don't win that Super Bowl. They should have based on how many takeaways they had and uh, and how many how, how few points they gave up even though there was What was the number of turnovers the Broncos had in that game? Seven is it seven still, and they only allowed 27 points. It's
0: still seven, though, right? Like, yes, it's just a lot, it's just such a high number. But yeah. think about that they gave up Craig Morton and the Broncos turned the ball over seven times, and the defense only gave up 27 points. That's less than four points per turnover. That is insane. It's so an if you incredible So If you cut those, if you cut those turnovers, not even in half, but if you cut two, like take two down, yeah,
1: take two of them away, they're in that game. That's a closer game, then they have a shot at winning. It's and it would, it would mean that guys, even Lyle Alzado, for example, I think Lyle Alzado's in the Hall of Fame if that Orange Crush defense wins the Super Bowl because of how important he was to that. And just by proxy, you probably get a couple of offensive players in there as well. I don't, I mean. Not that they were really valuable at the time, but I think Floyd Little gets in earlier. I think you know some of those things happen. I think you're talking about a different NFL history if that Denver Broncos team can win that Super Bowl.
0: Well, I think one offensive player would be in the ring of fame already, and he should be now, but he would already be in as Riley Odoms yeah. because he has numbers that compare to Dave Casper, who is in the Hall of Fame with the Oakland Raiders. He just was the Odoms, wrong team. Yeah. Riley Odoms would probably be in the Hall of Fame had that team won the Super Bowl. Because if you take away two of those turnovers, he may have been the beneficiary of a Craig Morton pass.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. He may have been been the guy who catches the game-winning touchdown. Or, or you know what I'm saying? Like there's there's a lot of things in that game that went wrong for the Broncos that had they gone if, if the ball had bounced just just the other way a couple of times, you're talking about a, a different a different Super Bowl champion for Super Bowl 12, And there's another one. You're probably talking about Roger Staubach with, with slightly less uh, admiration because
0: he lost a Super Bowl to the Denver Broncos. How about one in reverse? Oh. What if the Green Bay Packers go back-to-back and John Elway and the Broncos don't win Super Bowl 32? Wow. Well, you could take a
1: a really negative approach to this one and talk about how uh, dejected Elway uh, buys into his snake-bitten, you know, sort of jinxed career and decides to hang it up right there and he retires after 15 seasons in the NFL. Or, and I'd like to put on my orange and blue glasses, it propels them, just like winning did, into another great season. They still had Terrell Davis. They still had one of one of the best offensive lines. They still had a pretty good defense. I think I think personally it propels them into winning a Super Bowl. And Elway rides off into the sunset, but he rides off into the sunset with one win instead of
0: two. And I think the biggest one is what if the Broncos beat the Jacksonville Jaguars? Because I think that 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 completely alters everything. Sure. I think it's interesting. Neil Smith doesn't sign with the Denver Broncos in that case. That's right. Or he or maybe he
1: does anyway, just because he wants to win. I, I, that could go either way, but but maybe not. I do think one of the things in our in our Would You Rathers was a lot of people talked about they picked the 97 game over the, the 2012 game against the Ravens because they 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 said three peat, right? There's a potential three peat there. But uh as as we've talked about before, um, Maybe Elway retires a year early. Maybe they go back to back, but Elway retires a year earlier. So now he, he's he got fewer fewer career wins. He's got, you know what I'm saying? Like some of his numbers are lower. That or kind of he thing. retires after the first Super Bowl. Sure. He says, I'm done. Because there was some talk that he might retire after that game. What When did you say he made, you told me he, he made his decision to come back in like. Was it June, June of 98. Was it June? Yeah, June. Like that's. That's crazy late, and nobody pressured him or anything. But still, June—that's a hey, training camp's gonna start in a week. What are you doing? I don't really know. Like, you know what I'm saying?
0: Like, and it's no guaranteed that if the Broncos beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, they beat the Packers in the Super Bowl because that Packers team—it was a very good team. It's a very good, a very, very good team. I you think know, they would have beaten the Patriots at home. Oh, I think so too. I'm not convinced they would have beaten. The Green Bay Packers in that Super Bowl in New Orleans. You know why I'm all, I'm I'm also not convinced of that. I have
1: watched Super Bowl 32 probably 150 times. Like actually watched it from beginning to end, not just the highlights, not just the America's game, not none of that, the actual game. And every time I watch it, I am still worried that the Broncos are going to lose that game. That's how good that Packers team was, and they were that good. When the Broncos beat them, I think we take it for granted that oh they they would have beat them because I, I, I don't know that was a really good Packers team. I don't think I don't think that you can just take it for granted that they would have three peated. I I know that you know beating beating the Falcons was was a, was a simple win right. So you could almost say well then they would have played the Falcons in. But would they have played the Falcons after the '98 season in that in that Super Bowl? Probably not. You know, or, or you know what I'm saying? Like it, you don't really know how things would have played out. The Packers would have looked different. The Broncos would have looked different. Every, everything changes there. So, um, yeah, just saying. Oh, it would have been a threepeat. That's that's too simple. Yes, that's a simplistic look at it. And it would have been nice, but
0: probably not. How about this? It's not. It's Broncos related, but but not really. Okay. What if the Minnesota Vikings beat? The Atlanta Falcons, in that NFC Championship game, and the fifteen and one Vikings are the Broncos' opponent in Super Bowl thirty three.
1: Then the Denver Broncos do not win two in a row.
0: And i I know that the 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 people listening
1: are going to be mad at me for saying that, but that Vikings team was incredibly good. I mean, it was it was the best offense in the history of the NFL at the time. Didn't they break a bunch of records that year? Or was they it, did. I, I mean, I mean,
0: you had Chris Carter and Randy Moss. I don't know if the, there is no one on that de- on that Broncos defense. From nobody was covering them. Nope. Could cover Chris Carter or Randy Moss. No,
1: not both of them. No, I agree, and I I think that uh, they had a, they had one hiccup. Right? They had a, they had one game where they had a hiccup, and it was in the. NFC Championship game, and it handed the Super Bowl to the Denver Broncos. And the interesting thing about that is if you, if you go back and watch some of the, like, America's game, those kinds of things, the Broncos weren't even thinking about the AFC Championship game. They show a clip of Shanahan and Kubiak watching the end of the game on the Jumbotron at Mile, Mile High Stadium. Uh, and when the Vikings uh, missed the field goal and the Falcons are going to, you know, who was it? Was it? the kicker for the Vikings, whatever his name was. Gary um, Anderson. Thank you, Gary Anderson. When he misses and the And then Morton
0: Anderson hits the game winner for the Falcons. Right, exactly.
1: That's the way it was. It's too many Andersons. I mean, get it under wraps here, guys. But he he says, so it's the Vikings, right? We're going to play the Vikings. I, not even thinking about the fact that they still have to go beat the Jets. And it almost cost them that game because they went out and they were flat through the entire first half. They almost lost that game. It was almost a, it was almost a Falcons-Jets Super Bowl. That would have been... Just awful. Almost as bad as the Packers Patriots. Yeah, pretty rough, right? So, um, I think I do. I do think the Broncos probably would have struggled. I I think they would have lost to the Vikings if the
0: Vikings had won that game. I do have confidence saying that it would have been a far better football game. Oh, without question. I mean,
1: the Falcons didn't even were they there? Tim Dwight was there. Go look
0: it up. Tim Dwight was there. Look up Tim Dwight. That guy was quick. And the interesting thing to think about it is, yeah, the Vikings had a high-powered offense with Chris Carter and Randy Moss. But would the Vikings have had the defense to stop Terrell Davis, but also the passing attack that the Broncos had? I think it would have been a far – better football game much closer. I'm glad it didn't play out the way it did because I I enjoyed the fact that they pretty much won that Super Bowl with ease I mean it was it, it was a little bit up in the air until that deep pass to Rod Smith and then that's when it started to to get that's, out of control that's
1: when it got out of control so I I think you're right it would have been a fun one this is uh there's so many what- ifs there's so many things we could talk about here um I, I really I, I like this one this is a fun one
0: And I'm glad that we don't have to think about it. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.